was the night before Christmas. And what could I say? Midi, they dreamed. About Christmas Day. Thoughts of pot content both new and quite old. When something occurred which was loud, dark and bold. An almighty crash which made fear for the telly. Midi arose sharply because it was 4K. Trundling down, he got ready to fight. And there stood Santa, big, red, and bright. Chris bolted in with his chloroform hammer, stopping the big man before he could yammer. Quick as a flash, the boys stripped him down bare, got out the electrodes and tied his ass to a chair. Which leads us to the here, now and why. Shut it, fat boy, or Mid's gonna make you cry. Now, boys, you don't need to be violent now. You better give us what's in that sack, you big red shit. Oh, man, you are dicing with death, fat boy. Now, boys, there's no need for that. Have it. <laughs> it's winter. Mid's slicing up the turkey, and that can only mean one thing. That's right, folks. It's a 5x5 five five Christmas special. Oh, no. I need my hands. No, no, no. Hey guys, welcome to 5x5, it's Mid here, how you doing? Chris made me do the introduction this time, Mm. I don't know why. It's my gift to you. (laughs) It's my Christmas gift. Uh, Yeah, so as always, me, Mid, hello, and Chris. Hello. Hello. Yeah, um, this uh, wasn't actually a planned podcast, we thought we'd uh, drop a Christmas one on you. Oh, Very yeah. short, where uh, we'll be discussing some of our favourite Christmas films. Um, it's a, it's going to be a short but sweet one, but uh, hopefully there'll be some stuff that you'll find interesting. So, uh, yeah, we'll get into it. We'll start talking about Christmas movies. Where do you want to start, man? Dropping that festive bomb right on your ass. How's it going? Um, well, I reckon we're talking about Christmas films because uh, obviously, if people have been listening to these in order sequentially, they would have heard bells at the end of the last episode, and that, of course, lead led us straight to the beginning of our very festive episode. Um, I reckon, I reckon, um, Die Hard. That's the first one off the list because some idiots online keep going. It's not a Christmas film. Um, I've, I've actually argued this point recently on my blog because there seems to be like a number of confused fuckers out there who don't believe that Die Hard is a Christmas film. 
Mr. Mid. How the hell is it not a Christmas film? Lay on the slap in the face, the knuckle supper science boy. It's set on, it's set on fucking Christmas Eve. It, there's a Christmas party in it. Christmas in Hollis is playing on the radio. It's it's pretty Christmassy. Um, there are Christmas jokes throughout the film. Yeah. Ho, 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 I have a machine gun. He's on his way to see his wife to reconcile over the holidays, so uh, to bring the family together for Christmas. Um, let's let's just think think now for a second. Uh, Christmas isn't like it's not uh, featured throughout the film, like a little bit. It's in it everywhere. He there's big references to it being set at Christmas. It's the fact that he straps a pit. It's, the, it's Christmas Eve, and he straps a fucking piece to his back with Christmas paper. Uh, well, Christmas tape at the end. Um, yeah, um, uh, the fact he kills a guy and the joke is, ho, 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 now I have a machine gun. Sorry, it's a Christmas film. Anybody who doesn't think it's a Christmas film, check yourself before mid-wrecks yourself. Mm. <laughs> I, I just don't get it. I don't get it. People don't really have much of an argument. They're just adamant in saying it's not a Christmas film. Well, it was originally released, in fairness, it was released in the summer. They, they, their argument goes, the argument goes, well, it wasn't released at Christmas, so it's not a Christmas film. It was an action film released in summer. The most Christmassy film, well, one of the most Christmassy films of all time, Miracle on 34th Street, was also released the same month that Die Hard was released. Uh... Not the same year. We're talking about the original 1947 version, but it was released in July. See, How more Christmassy can you get than a miracle on 34th Street? That, again, <laughs> is mid laying down the freshest science <laughs> in your face. I've got it's gangster just, for this episode. <laughs> it's just a stupid, <laughs> stupid argument because it is. there's numerous points that can disprove it. So, yeah. That, that's like turning around and saying Wrath of Khan isn't a Star Trek film or a science fiction film. It's a, uh, it's technically, it's a U-boat film. It makes about as much sense, the argument, yeah. You know, yes, there are elements of that classic sort of submarine World War Two element and, like, trying to find each other in the water and blow each other out of the water. But primarily, first and foremost, it's a goddamn Star Trek film, okay? Just like Die Hard, yes, it is an action film, but it's an action film, yes, I know, and it's set at Christmas because it's a Christmas film! No, 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 no. To play devil's advocate with these confused fuckers, it, let's call it an alternate Christmas film. It's no. still a Christmas film. It's still a Christmas it's not, film. It's, it's, it's not your standard Christmas film. Do you, know, do you know what I want to watch? Let's face it, um, the best ones never are. No, they aren't. <laughs> I, 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 I agree. And, mate, do you know what I, um, what I wanted to do when, when I want to watch Die Hard? When, when I actually want to watch the most? Christmas, weirdly enough. Yeah, me too. I've, I've been like that for, for quite a while now, for quite yeah. a few years. And, and strangely as well, Die Hard 2 is another one I like watching. But they're both set at Christmas. Weird, that, isn't it? <laughs> oh, man. Do you reckon Die Hard, Die Hard 2 may be, I don't know, Christmas don't know. films? It's stupid. <laughs> I don't get the argument. No one argues that Home Alone isn't a Christmas film. No one argues that Gremlins isn't a Christmas film. Home Alone is about a little kid who loves torturing people. Yeah, that's Stockholm Syndrome, man. That's uh, not even Stockholm Syndrome. That's like 
That's that's how serial killers are made. <laughs> They're all applauding him, and we're making the future bloody Dexter. Have you, have you heard the online theory going around that um, Kevin McCaster is actually Jigsaw? <laughs> <laughs> it makes sense. <laughs> It makes sense. Okay, right. <laughs> well, before we go on to that little chestnut, um, straight up, ho, 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 your three favourite scenes in Die Hard. Three favourite scenes in Die Hard? Just Ooh. off the top of your head. Off the top of my head, bloody hell. I know, I like to spring these things on you. Yeah. Well, obviously, ho, 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 now I have the machine gun. Good call. Um... I, I even got the quote wrong there. It's now our machine gun, ho, ho, ho. Sorry. <laughs> That's only because I got it wrong before, because I said ho, ho, ho before. It's, it's you lead with ho, ho, ho. Um, yeah, that, because it's funny. Because, <laughs> you know, we've just been introducing McLean. We, we've learned pretty quickly that he's a sardonic son of a bitch. <laughs> yeah. He's also um, pretty cold-blooded as well. <laughs> Not only does he kill a guy, but he leaves like a written message to mock the others. <laughs> I like That's that. when you know you've got a special kind of Christmas film on your hands, I think. It is, it is. Uh, yeah, got one of your choices. Well, okay, well, that's one of yours, so I'll go for yeah. one of mine. One of my favourite uh, moments in it is when she uses, when he uses the uh, phone, on the, uh, the emergency services phone, and she goes, excuse me, sir, this phone is for emergency purposes only. He goes, no fucking shit, lady. What do you think I'm doing? Trying to order a pizza? Um, I, I think that's that's genius. <laughs> like, uh, And it's like, I'm with, right, that's it. We're going to send somebody over. Yes, send the police. Arrest me. Bring them down. And they're just not listening to him. Uh, yeah, that's one of my favourite scenes. I, I definitely I just, I, the way he's freaking out. I think you can say what you like about Bill, uh, Bruce Willis. And he sounds like he's a bit of a cock, to be honest with you. But I will say... He's brilliant at giving those one-liners. He He's uh, really good with that. So that's that's one of my choices. Let's go over to you. Um, probably I have to say his um, methods in uh, gaining the attention of the police. <laughs> <laughs> chucking a dude out of the uh, window. Just chuck a thing. dude out the window, you know. <laughs> yeah, that's that's one way of getting somebody's attention. Merry Christmas, mate. That works for me. <laughs> um, okay. Uh, I, I've i always been partial to uh, the firefight where, he, where Hans is um, messing with him, so he's pretending to be somebody else. And oh, then, yeah. And then it rumbles him because he knows. And when he's looking at the, the, the names on the board, and he goes, Clay. And he's like, oh, okay. And then he just, like, and this is the shout out to SDC because he'll love this bit as well because he's always saying it. Shoot the glass, and it's like <laughs> and everything else. And yeah, I think that's great with the. But I the don't, get, I don't get it though. He says it in his native tongue. Why doesn't he understand the you know the order? It's good though. It's that's, that's <laughs> another good bit. That's um. So that's my number two. Um, my number three has to be hands going out the window. Oh, you slippery bastard! You've got that was your uh, number three. <laughs> it's, it's, it's got okay. I'm going to pick a different number three, but that is an awesome one. It was uh, awesome because, like, like you said, like gun taped to his back with Christmas tape, and you just bang shoots him out the window. And the nice. look on Alan Rickman's face is brilliant. And that was actually achieved by genuinely dropping the fucker. <laughs> they, they had him on a line, and they said. 
we'll, we'll drop you slowly and we'll work it out in post-production. So they winch him up on this line and John McTiernan just went, let him go. And that's how they got that expression on his face because they really just let him go. And he wasn't expecting it. And he wasn't expecting it. How to mess with somebody. You can't replicate an expression like that. (laughs) That is true shock. And when you see that look on Alan Rickman's face, that is completely genuine. That actually happened. They let him go on the line and he wasn't expecting to go that fast and they just slowed it down. So they did keep to their word. They did fix it in post-production, but they just let him go. (laughs) Right. Well, okay. This is what I'm going to... Okay, so you've got that one. And that is, let's be fair, amazing. I'm going to go for the uh, second in command at the end, just turning up at the end and then the cop shooting him. Yeah. That, like, moment where he's back to being a full cop again. And, yeah, yeah I like that. Well, it, 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 it's not just him, it's him and Powell at the same time, isn't it? Yeah, man, it's uh, it was really good. I, I do definitely uh, enjoy that. So, uh, yeah, Die Hard. That's a whistle-stop tour of Die Hard uh, just for the Christmas season. Um, I'm sure at some point in the future we will be doing it. Maybe next year we'll do a proper full-on review of it. But Yeah, I think it definitely requires um, yeah, a full pod. I reckon you can talk quite lengthily. Oh, yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, next Christmas, maybe. Maybe next Christmas, like you say. That's a good idea. So what was the uh, another idea for a Christmas film you, you had? Um, this one probably has to come from my childhood and it'll probably come from a lot of people in Shrewsbury's childhood because it was filmed here. It was, um, uh, it was a TV movie, TV movie adaptation of Charles Dickens, a Christmas Carol. It was filmed in 1984 in Shrewsbury, where we're from, uh, for, um, I think it was a Canadian cable company. I think it was actually, um, yeah, I think it's like CBS or something like that. It was like a TV movie. They were, um, all, all, all the cable companies in America do. They, they do like TV specials and TV movies uh, around Christmas time. And um, they did uh, Christmas Carol, and they filmed it in this country. And it just so happened to be filmed in our own, um, in my hometown. And um, yeah, I have a lot of um, memories of that film because I was actually present during part of its filming. So that's I, th- I think it actually has a big part in why I'm so mad about films because i have memories of one actually being made and and if you're gonna have one uh one for for being made it's pretty cool that it was scrooge yeah it it, it was i mean it's not just that it's it's actually also one of the most faithful adaptations of that book that's um, probably come to the screen. And it's, I don't think it's just people in Shrewsbury who rock onto this film. I think it's a, a thing that a lot of people enjoy. Uh, it's, it's a really good adaptation. There's two I can think of, like straight adaptations of Christmas Carol that people absolutely love. And it's that one, the George C. Scott one. And also, uh, I don't know if you've seen it, the one that Patrick Stewart did. He did a really good one, didn't he? In the early noughties. It was great. It was really, really good. He made an excellent Scrooge, Patrick Stewart. Mm, mm. Yeah, but... Um, yeah, the one filmed in and around town was awesome. Um, some of the early 80s, I think it was at 83 it was filmed in town, so I couldn't have been very old, but I do have I do have memories of it, and I corroborate those memories with my dad. Because we were standing... Um, uh, you know where... Um, 
uh, Heart and Arrow Tattoos is. Used to be Cobweb Records. Oh, yeah, yeah. That was Scrooge's county house in the film. Jesus, really? Yeah, yeah, it was, yeah. And uh, me and my dad were actually there the day they were filming around that area. And they set up, like, snow machines, a snowblower at the top of the bank leading from the river, which was blowing snow up. And um, George C. Scott comes out, goes to go into the county house, unlocks the door, walks in and all the rest of it. And he knocks his top hat off on the top of the door frame on the way in. And I always remember that. I couldn't have been, I couldn't have been like, what, two, three years old, if that? But it's a memory that's still in my head. And I asked my dad, did that actually happen? He went, yeah, yeah. So it's actually quite amazing that I remember that, to be honest with you. That's a pretty outstanding memory to have as well. <laughs> it really is. It well, was really cool. They kept the prop, didn't they, from the... His his grave, it's still here. Oh, the the the, the gravestone still um, it's still in St Chad's Churchyard. So, yeah, um, I did a I did a piece actually on this uh, last year for my blog. Um, if if anyone's interested in reading a little bit more about plug, that plug, plug. version of Christmas Carol, shameless plug. Um, <laughs> it, I, <laughs> check out Mister Mid's awesome blog. I put a piece on there, uh, a repost from last year. Um, and yeah, it just goes into a bit more detail about how it was filmed in around town, the, the locations that we used, uh, some of my personal memories from it, from 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 obviously seeing it being filmed. And I think it is it's always been like a, a favourite Christmas film to me because it, it is something I attribute to my love of film for those early experiences that I remember of it. <laughs> it is a good. It's a and um, did you know Debs was almost an extra in that film? All right. As a little girl. Yeah, she told me the other day. I was like, whoa, way out. There's a few people I... Some of my relatives, someone they knew that they worked with, um, their kids were like choir singers in it or something like that. That's There's mad. a few people I know who are like extras in it. But that's just the thing, though. It's because it was filmed in Shrewsbury. You, you've got your extras sorted. Just talk to the people in the town that you're filming and do a casting call and boom, there you go. You've got your extras. <laughs> Yeah. No, I, 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 I love that film. I really do. It, it still stays with me. I'm a, on a yearly basis, I watch that film. It's it's on my it's on my Christmas film list every year without fail. You know what? And it's a good one to have because it is a really, really good is. adaptation of it, and it it's, it's very good for, for for a TV movie as well. It doesn't need to be as good as it is, but it's it, it's got the chops to stand up as a good film. Full stop. Let alone the fact that it's a TV movie. Well, if we're discussing, if we're discussing um, uh, Christmas Carol, uh, personally, we'll go to my favourite adaptation of it, which is Bill Murray Scrooged. Oh, Scrooge! I watched that recently. I watched it uh, last week. I love that film. I it's love awesome, it. Isn't it? It's so good. There are so many crazy facts about this film that you're like, what? Did you know Lee Majors, you know, at the beginning, with the night yeah, the, the reindeer went it. red, yeah. <laughs> Do you know the gun he's using? It's like a Gatling gun, wasn't it? Yeah. It's yeah. the same one that Jesse Ventura uses in Predator. <laughs> it's the That's actual awesome. same one that they used in Predator. Obviously, it's a stock gun that they the, the studio brought in. Well, and I mean, it's, what, it's from Predator. The, the, the two films aren't that far apart, are they? No, they're, they're only not. a few years between them. <laughs> Yeah. So uh, yeah. So Lee Majors is using the gun from Predator, which I thought was kind of cool. <laughs> um, I didn't know this. The director Dick Donner 
yeah. hated working with Bill Murray. They didn't get on. See, you, you, you hear a number of things about Bill Murray not getting on with people that he works with. And I find it really hard to believe. But I suppose in a way kind of easy to believe, if that makes sense. Yeah. He's a person who I think embellishes a lot of the work that he's given. He adds his own nuance to it. It's it's little tiny things. It's it, it's like very minuscule looks to camera and stuff like that. He break he like I don't know if you notice it with Bill Murray films. He loves breaking the fourth wall. Oh yeah, big time. He does it quite a bit, but he also does it at the most perfect of moments. And and you're right. And because he does, I think that's what it was. Because with Dick Turner, <clears throat> I think he was just kind of like I think he likened it. But he was given a he was asked about it in an interview, and he likened it as to being in Times Square or something like that, and having all the traffic lights out, and he was the traffic cop, and Bill Murray was the chaos around him. Yeah. And I think that that's pretty indicative of the kind of acting style because of the amount of improv he throws in, which is gold. Well, the, the thing is, though, I think I think it's just Bill Murray as a person. I mean, it's well known that his nickname is the Murricane. <laughs> <laughs> the Murricane. Whether you're working with him or you know him as a friend, the, the, if you're in his vicinity, you're just getting dragged along for the ride. <laughs> Oh man! It's like the thing is like you, you hear stories about him like turning up to people's house parties. You heard that he, he just like randomly turned up to someone's house party once and just started like going into the kitchen and doing the washing up. Now, I, I, How old would that be? <laughs> <laughs> I think I would certainly. I've been to some pretty wild house parties, and I think there'd be a moment if I just turned to see. I mean, God, if any like some of the ones that we've been to in our time, just imagine just turning around and seeing. Bill Murray, uh, and just going to the guys the next day. It was Bill Murray at that party, and you just never know. And you know what it is? It's almost like he's building a legend about himself. <laughs> I mean, I don't even know if this one's true, but I love it, and it seems like the kind of thing that Bill Murray would say. I heard it. It was um, it was playing Buzzfeed or something like that. It was a story about Bill Murray, and there's this woman. She said she was out on a date with someone, and they were in a restaurant, and they were having their meal. All of a sudden, she's a hand come behind her, pick up a fry off her plate, eat it, and she turns around. It's only Bill Murray. <laughs> and the only thing he says to her is, they'll never believe you. He's Now, now <laughs> wait, there's another one of these where he's allegedly gone up to people, put his hands over their eyes, and they're like, who's that? And then he go, and they turn around, and uh, he go, they're like, Bill Murray? And he's like, no one will ever believe you. And he walks <laughs> off. So I think it's an ongoing I, thing he likes to do. I think he just likes to, I think he just likes fucking with people. He, li- he likes to see the way that people react. And he, he's just one of these people. He's like, um, I think on, by the sound of it, on film and off, he's kind of like a force of nature. He does whatever the fuck he wants and it works. Yeah. You, you don't hear many people saying that, who in the right mind as a film fan would say they don't like Bill Murray. No. I, I would, I would be very, very wary of a person who said they didn't like Bill Murray. Even if you didn't like him as an <laughs> actor or a person, um, you you can't. There's going to be at least one film he's done that you'll love. Oh God, mate! There's got to be a handful. I, well, I, I, I think I, th- I think people I, I, there'd be very few people who wouldn't like at least four or five Bill Murray films. Well, one of my favourite, absolute favourite. 
um, stories or like, like jokes, should I say, about the film? Because just thinking about some of the elements of the film is when um, the guy's on fire. He's got yeah. the kebabs and he's on fire, and, ah, like screaming. He's on fire, and then um, Bill Murray runs up to him and he throws uh, water all <laughs> over him, and he goes, "I'm sorry." I'm sorry, I thought you were Richard Pryor. And I was like, Jesus Christ. That's amazing, because it wasn't too long after it happened. Yeah, for, for any of the listeners not knowing what we're talking about, Richard Pryor, a very, very, very famous comedian, um, was once so high, he decided to set himself on fire. Um, it, it, and it he made was freebasing, I think, at the yeah. time. It just went wrong. And it went very wrong. Um, so, so yeah, that's what it. That's that's all that uh, that jokes about. But there's loads of great stuff in it. I love <coughs> but Bobcat Goldthwait in it. It's a perfect um, Bob Cratchit as well. He's awesome. Bobcat Goldthwait says he's actually a really good director as well. Um, he did a film, World's Greatest Dad. What have you seen that one? He did the World's Greatest Dad with Robin Williams because he was best mates with Robin Williams. I've heard of that one. I haven't seen it. It's, it's not the one I was thinking of. Brilliant. I've been told it's brilliant because it's like really dark, but also yeah, really Yeah, I've seen it's that. Fun. It's good. For any listeners, just to plug that one, uh, if you ever want to watch it, the story revolves around a um, English teacher uh, at a high school and his son uh, goes to the high school and his son's a dick. Uh, and it's just him and his son. And his son is a massive perv and he decides to uh, do some autoerotic asphyxiation and it goes horribly wrong. And in comes um, Robin Williams' character and he finds his son dead because he's strangled himself while trying to jerk off. Yeah. And he has to create a note. So he creates a note, but he's such he's actually such an amazing um, writer and he's sort of really uh, kind of um, sort of stuck in, in, the, in the role he's in in his life. He writes this note and makes his son become like this mythical, like deeper person than anybody could have possibly imagined. And it's really, really good, really dark, but very good. Sorry, what was the the one film you you were about to recommend that you did? The one I, I caught it purely by accident because it was on Netflix. It's not there anymore because I've looked for it since I last watched it. But I I, I was just randomly flicking through Netflix one day and I found this film. It's a director Bob Bobcat Goldway, and I just thought, okay, I've got to give it a go. It's called God Bless America, and it's um, basically the story of um, this guy. He's he's like an office worker, but he's like completely embittered with the world. His job has just made him a really cynical asshole, really. And um, basically, he, he 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 discovers that he's terminally ill. And he decides he's going to go out there and he is going to homicidally start picking away the things he hates about the country that he lives in. And he he, he takes this young girl along for the ride with him and they basically ends up like a Bonnie and Clyde type thing. But um, it's just really funny. Proper dark humour, but really, really smart stuff. There's this monologue in it. Um, if, if, you, if, if you look on YouTube, you can type in God Bless America monologue and you listen to that. It's just so spot on. It's, it's, it's like a couple of minutes long, but it's brilliant. Um, look it up. It'll give you an idea of the film and then you'll probably want to find the film and watch it. God Bless America. Love that film. 
It does sound good. That sounds really yeah. good to me, Phil. I think it, 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 it was. It really, it really surprised me. I just found it like, completely by random, but I loved it. It was really good. Yeah, I think I'll. But that's going to be one I have to uh, to check out. That's definitely going to be one I'm going to check out. Oh, hang on. No, I'm looking on Thingy. Is it on Netflix? It's on Amazon Prime, apparently. Ooh, okay. I'll check that out. God bless America. Yeah. Amazon Prime. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Right. Another Christmas film. Dude. I know we're going through these at lightning speed, uh, listeners, but uh, this is an improv Christmas special, and these are all films I'm sure we will revisit and really go into a bit more of the nuanced depths of them uh, at a later date. But right now, we're just going through a bunch of them to get you some treats to maybe check out while you're waiting for Christmas Day to come. Uh, I would call out Gremlins. Yeah. And last pod, we were going to talk about our con experiences. Oh, yeah. And this links into my con experience. Was Zach Galligan, was that yours, wasn't he? Oh, yes. Was he? Yeah. Yep. And in my private meet and greet area, um, which was a perfect replica of the Moss Eisley Cantina, which was surreal as hell, um, because they were playing various sci-fi um, soundtracks and, and things like that. And uh, that's where I met, uh, I met William Shatner and I had a meet, meet and greet. Zach was up there as part of the meet and greet as well, which was lovely. And so was Casper Van Dyne, or Dean, sorry, uh, and his, uh, his wife, Jenny. And uh, it was really really cool and then i got to meet them and talk to them oh and uh the lad who played boba fett in attack of the clones that <laughs> was quite Random. surreal okay. yeah yeah <laughs> um but one of my favorite moments i was talking to him because I, I went i love gremlins of course i love gremlins but my favorite film he you did, mentioned waxwork to him didn't you and that first thing he went stopped went waxwork i went actually <laughs> waxworks too lost in time i love that film so much and uh, he, we were talking about it, and he was laughing and going, yeah, that was a lot of fun to make. And uh, he's a really stand-up guy. I mean, a, yeah. a, a bloody nice bloke. He I, I, is a I've nice seen him guy. at Con as well, because he, he did Wales Comic Con a few years ago, and he, he did a, a Gremlins Q&A. Oh, yeah. And he's just like a really laid-back and quite amiable guy. He was talking like with like real fondness about these films, because well, he did mention waxwork as well. Oh, yeah. Well, he taught. He taught acting in... Um, yeah, New York University. He did say, yeah. And uh, and you know what? He gave me some advice as a failed actor myself. Um, I, uh, you know, something I I wanted to get into, but I decided not to. He gave some advice that really reassured me about that. Because uh, he was talking in his Q and A. This was much later on, and he goes, "Right, when it comes to acting, if you have another skill that you're." better at or you're you're good at choose that don't choose acting and i was kind of like huh and he's like you should only go into acting as if it's something you cannot stop thinking about every single day and you've got to do it and whatever and i was like he's right and i never had it to where i was thinking every single day yeah, yeah. something i was passionate about but it wasn't something i was like every single day i've got to do this um so it really made me kind of go oh that's kind of cool and when I was talking to him about Waxworks 2, yes, we will get back to Gremlins in a second, but um, <laughs> when we were talking about Waxworks 2, I was saying that the one bit that never fails to crease me up, he's having a sword fight 
uh, with the main villain, and they've got this dimensional device that makes them go through different dimensions. Think sliders, but like with films, so different films and stuff, but they're not the actual films because they couldn't afford the licenses. And they <laughs> go through um, they go through Dawn of the Dead, essentially, uh, or, or a random zombie film set in the 70s uh, in a shopping mall, but it's not really <laughs> Dawn of the Dead. Hint, hint, it is. Um, and... And he was saying about how great that was, and uh, Jack the Ripper ends up getting chucked in with them into their. Uh, they save uh, one of the victims, Jack the Ripper's victims, and they end up going to another thing, which is uh, Nosferatu. Yeah, and uh, I always remember him falling backwards, Zach Galligan, and he's got this zombie's hand in his one hand, and he falls backwards while he's sword fighting, and this woman in the bed looks at him in shock, like you know this nineteen thirties, nineteen twenties woman looks at him. And he just looks at her really quietly because it's all silent, so it's all um, like picture cards saying what they're saying. Yeah. And he just looks at her, really, just without missing a beat, perfect comic timing on his part. He gets the zombie hand, which grabs his top hat, and he lifts the top hat up as in, evening, and then puts it back <laughs> and carries on fighting, right? And, and like they go off. Now, meanwhile, Jack Ripper's left in this Nosferatu um, like silent film. And he turns around going, oh, God, what's that? And he looks over, and Nosferatu's there, and it turns around, looks at him, and starts going towards him. And he goes into a corner, freaked out, Jack the Ripper does, and it just says, bloody hell, on the other things. <laughs> <laughs> that breaks me. Every time I see it, um, that, that, and cause it's my kind of sense of humour, and they end up going through a Godzilla film. And Zach Gallagher goes, I love doing that, but they actually, they tried to do Asian makeup on me. So they were messing with my eyes and things like that. Oh, God. And he goes, and he was saying at the time, he was going, guys, do you not think this is a bit, you know, should we not be doing this? <laughs> I was just like, wow. And he's like, yeah, it was so inappropriate. And I was just telling him. He was such a laid back, cool guy. I got some selfies with him. And then he started talking about gremlins and the Q&A. Um, and it's cool because he talks about him and uh, Corey Feldman going over to Steven Spielberg's... Um, offices which were on the set um and nicking off with all the computer games all the all the <laughs> the, the arcade machines so it got to the point whenever they had a break they would go over there so they ended up moving all these arcade machines to the the set so they could play them there it's just stuff like that and he's just a nice guy but yes gremlins is a fantastic fantastic film and it's held up extremely well considering that is over 30 years old i only watched it like uh, uh, two days ago i watched it again oh good choice again it's one of those films every single year without fail i will watch gremlins just before christmas um again it's it's one of those things you'd lump in as like an alternative christmas film or whatever still a christmas film still a christmas film i, I suppose that you'd call it an alternate christmas film because just <laughs> How dark it is, really. Well, it was supposed to be a lot darker. It was supposed to be a lot darker than it was, but... Um... They killed the dog. The little Mogwais killed the dog yeah. in the original script. And the mom um, got beheaded. So when, yeah. when Billy walks into the house, her head was supposed to roll down the stairs. G- Gizmo was supposed to be the, the villain in the original film, yeah. wasn't it? You know what stopped <laughs> that from happening? Spielberg, he took one look at Gizmo and went, you're not doing that. Went, what? He's too adorable. He's too cute. That's a hero character. 
Yeah. What you do is you right make decision. Yeah, it was. I, I couldn't. I wouldn't have liked it if Gizmo ended up being the bad guy. I think it was. No. It was the wrong idea. What made it good was he is a rare variable. He's actually a, a Mogwai that's good, and uh, the rest uh, of them are bastards. <laughs> it's, it's it's almost like he's a domesticated Mogwai. Yeah. As in, he could quite easily be like the rest of them, but he's domesticated to the point that he's actually just a sweet little creature now. I've Would never... he still be the same way if he ever turned into a gremlin? <laughs> well, you never know. I, it I raises that it, question, does it? It really does. And <laughs> I love the fact that they have little callbacks to things like inv- Invasion of the Body Snatchers and the gremlins yeah. hatch out of pods. Yeah. Oh, and the fact that it's actually playing on the TV screen just before that sequence as well. Yeah. They watch yeah. it and they're in bed falling asleep, don't they? And I'm sorry, it's the cutest goddamn thing in the world when Gizmo's like... And he's having the bad dreams watching it, and he just yeah. sort of drifts off. And he's like, "You're like, <laughs> that's so cute." Um, one of my, again, I always there's little things in films that will always make me laugh. And yeah. other people are like, "Why the fuck do you find that so funny?" The gremlins are right. Well, the, the Mogwai, they're all around a little arcade machine. Yeah, and they're like, "Yeah, yeah," like little thugs playing, and they've got Barney the dog. And Gizmo. And Gizmo's doing nothing wrong apart from being cute and nice. And all he's, he's doing... playing on his little trumpet. Playing his little trumpet and just shaking his... his I think he's got a candy cane or something. Yeah, yeah. Around. And he's like... And this little bastard of the stripe um, just turns around and goes... And spits this massive, horrible, brown, gooey, greeny across the floor... And the look on Gizmo's face, he's kind of like, oh, that's naughty. And like, that's horrible. <laughs> and he looks really sad. And he's like, oh, and I'm like, it breaks me. I can't stop laughing whenever I see it. It's so, I'm like, don't be so mean to poor Gizmo. Um, and he has a character arc, for Christ's sake. What? He has a character arc. He becomes oh, a yeah. hero. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's a character arc that grows over the that and Gremlins too, isn't it? But by, by the time he hit Gremlins too, he's a badass. Yeah, man. <laughs> I I love. Oh yeah, he's he's so good, and the effects were scary. The Gremlins are scary, and they're at the yeah. same time funny. That's a very right. hard balance. And the visual effects are like, considering this is like what well, it was probably filmed in like what like eighty three because mm. it came out in eighty four, didn't it? Yeah, yeah. So the the effects work on that when you look at the year it was made, it's like. Pretty spot on stuff. I mean, you know when they do the close up of Gizmo's face mm-hmm. in any scene and that. Do you know how big that head was? No. Freaking massive. It was like, oh, I don't know the actual size, but like, if you hold your arms out from your body sideways, like, Jesus, not full left, that big. It was that big. I thought it was probably it, the size of a telly. If that, it's what they did to get the effects and stuff. It, it's it's like. If you want to get all the nuance of the face and everything. So I don't know if you notice in those scenes where you see a close-up of Gizmo's face, it's really fucking close. Yeah. And to have something and get that level of emotion or detail or whatever out of it, they had to make a really big version of Gizmo's head to get those little nuances out of it. That is very cool. I just thought that's amazing. It's basically a giant gizmo head that they used to get all the the facial animation. That sounds like the best name for a band. Giant Gizmo Head. Giant Gizmo Head. Yeah, I'll go with that. That's, uh, <laughs> yeah, I like it. I like it. it's right up there with Brick, uh, brick Shithouse and the <laughs> Munters. Uh, <laughs> One of the things I love most about Gremlins is um, 
how damaged Kate is. Oh my god, that story's <laughs> a genius that story. Oh my god, I mean, in both films, mm. the second, I think the story in the second world, in the second film, is even funnier because it gets cut off. Because it's like we haven't got time, and he looked just like, like Abraham Lincoln. <laughs> just like, <laughs> where was she going with that? Where his story ends with he looked just like Abraham Lincoln. <laughs> just stop it. That's so funny because what, what what your mind is imagining happened next is just like so dark. But even the story in that is like, why could this girl possibly not like Christmas? Oh, that, that's why. Jesus Christ. Yeah, and, and I mean, again though, it. That film is a perfect balancing act of dark and fun humour. They it, get... It's a balancing act, isn't it? Yeah. You really have to get that spot on. Because one way or the other, it's going to go too far in whichever extreme. It's either going to be too cutesy and kiddie friendly or it's going to be too adult and it's going to completely affect uh, its target audience, isn't it? Another couple uh, of stories, by the way. Oh, yeah. For, 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 from Zach at that Q&A yeah. um, he discussed weirdly enough when you were saying about the effects Chris Wallace did the effects didn't he uh, on Gremlins yeah 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 and, and uh, apparently he was quite a nervous guy and Mushroom the dog that was playing the part of Barney um, used to get all excited with Gizmo because <laughs> he was like what is that oh, is that no. alive or not oh no <laughs> No, 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 well, no. What no. do you mean by excited? No, no, sorry, okay. I'm not sorry about how you raped a mogwai, is it? No, no mogwai rape <laughs> occurred on set. Raping a mogwai. That's another saying, uh, good name for band. Uh, mogwai, mogwai rape. rape. <laughs> <laughs> it's festive fun here at 5x5 Five Five Reviews. Mogwai rape. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. Anyway. Oh, God. Um. Basically, he, he bit the mogwai's ear and pulled it and it ripped and chris wallace was like uh, he looked at the damage and apparently he's just like oh dear ah oh, geez oh no oh no oh no sort of thinking apparently he's quite a nervous guy whenever we've seen it <laughs> sort of like, yeah and i was just like wow these things up and running because you know it's pretty... i imagine it's you know quite a lot to it back in the day and and these animatronics and everything. Yeah, and when he was telling us that, I was just like, "Wow!" And another one. Do you know when uh, Stripe jumps into the water uh, in the swimming baths? Yeah. To get that effect, they basically brought up a huge tank of um, nitrogen, liquid nitrogen. Right. To put it into, or not liquid nitrogen, but something along those lines to give it the reaction, right? And okay. when they were doing it, they were like, "Well, it's it's going to have be a bit volatile." And they were like, "Well, how how much is a bit volatile?" And it's like, uh, "You know, I, I guess never done it before. Have you done this before? Yeah, not on this <laughs> scale. Was it quite? And like, this is like Zach saying, "Well, well, well how bad is it going to be?" It's like, I don't know. Well, what should I do? Uh, we'll see. And they were like, it was basically that kind of effect. So like, yeah, I'll do that. And yeah, I'll give it a go. Those kind of like lunatics, like Tropical Thunder, like the guy who blows stuff up, the Danny McBride character. He's this guy's just <laughs> kind of like, eh, we'll see, sort of thing. And apparently, it was so volatile that it was starting to create an earthquake type reaction in the swimming pool. Oh god! And he was there, and it like when he runs, 
when he's legging it, it was like that's a real reaction because he was like, "Oh my god!" So because <laughs> he could feel the whole ground was going mental. Yeah, because the ground was shaking because <laughs> of this reaction from this big bloody uh, vat of chemicals being emptied into it. And when they blew the front of the cinema up, um, the the director uh, he's going, "Well, okay, uh, okay, you and Kate, uh, uh, you and Phoebe will be there." Uh, and we'll blow, we'll cut to the, the cinema and we'll blow it up. And uh, they went, how big is this explosion going to be? And they were by the, the VW Beetle. And uh, the guy goes, uh, I don't know, pretty uh, pretty big, I don't know. And he's like, right, okay. So you and, and Phoebe are going to be here. And he pulled them around the other side of the car so they used the car as a shield. <laughs> right. <laughs> when the explosion occurred on the lot, it was so powerful it singed. He said he could feel his eyebrow singe. So, so his, well, his eyebrows got singed, even though he was that far away from the explosion. The impact of it shattered windows all along the um, studio lot uh, from for, for like a fair distance around. So people were coming to work like on the on the Monday or whatever, and they found the windows blown out because of this <laughs> explosion. But the, the, that lot, I mean, it was utilised directly after the filming of Gremlins because it, it's also, I don't know if, well, I, I'm sure many people have noticed looking at it, it's the exact same set for the Back to the Future movies. It is. Well, one and two. Yeah. Because um, that cinema also gets it in Back to the Future as well because that's the cinema that the DeLorean crashes into. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's probably boarded up because it was still blown up from Gremlins. <laughs> Yeah, that 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 cinema doesn't have a, a lot of luck on that lot. <laughs> Great film. Great film. Good pick. Um oh yeah, another interesting fact. We were talking about that balance between yeah. um being too much one way, too much the other. It was that film and also um Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, because of those films and that balance of trying to get not too much one way or the other that's when the Motion Picture Association of America created the PG-13 rating, over here to 12 rating. Really? Yeah, because they felt that the movies were, both those films, were were too violent to be a PG, but they weren't violent enough to be an R, or, or a 15 in this country. That's and mad. That's, that, that's where the PG-13 rating came. I don't think we actually got it in this country at that time. I think it was a good few years later. Yeah, we got it like 19... I want to say 89, 88, 89 time. Do you know what I think it was? I think it was around about the time Batman came out. Tim Burton's yeah. Batman. Which is 88. I, I seem to think that was one of the films. Yeah. yeah. But, got, no, but, it was like in between being a 15 or a 12, and I think that's when they... It, when it came out, I believe it was actually a 15, but I think that was the film that spurred them to bring in the 12 rating. I'm right. This is the mad thing because a 12 rating, a 12 rating is back then, if it went to a video afterwards, because there was no 12 rating, this is crazy, but because there was no 12 rating at the time on videos, they hadn't sorted it out yet. It would mean mm. any twelve-rated film would instantly turn to a fifteen. Yeah, it was well, that's so just weird. it because twelve doesn't even exist anymore, does it? It's, it's gone again. It's, it's obsolete. No, it does. 
I haven't seen any twelve rated films in ages. Really? Thor: The Dark World, Guardians was of the Galaxy, film, was Ant Man. Yep, The Wolverine, X Men: First Class, The Spider Man Three, Captain Are America. Yeah, Thor. I suppose I don't, I don't really Man look 2. at this anymore. To be honest with you, I guess Hulk. That was as well. All oh, right. Yeah. Uh, uh, Batman Begins, Man of Steel. See, the thing is, though, as well, does does that certificate really hold any credence anymore? Because I mean, you live in a completely different time. Yeah, uh, yeah, I know, I know what you mean. And the only reason I'm reeling these films out is because I'm literally looking at them right now on my shelf. All oh, right, so that's why I was suddenly like, "Oh yeah, for definite." It's because I'm I'm literally looking at the moment, uh, just I'm seeing them. Uh, they're all on my shelf, and I'm like, "Shit, man!" There's actually quite a lot of twelves. I only thought I'd see one or two, but yeah, they're they're there. They're twelves, but now what they are, they're twelve A, but they don't call uh, them twelve A on video because I think it's the same issue, but the other way around now. They don't have twelve A for uh, DVD releases or whatever. Yeah, um, so they just go to twelves, but. In a cinema, if 12A means a kid can go and watch it as long as they've got the accompanied by adult. an adult. Yeah. Crazy. It's, yeah, it's, a, it's an advisory rating in cinema, isn't it? This sounds like a really shit version of the speech uh, in Pulp Fiction. It's illegal to buy it, it's illegal to smoke <laughs> it, and if you're a proprietor of a hash bar... <laughs> so like, but just like crap, and, and with no not as much charisma. <laughs> On my part, anyway, you're you're just you're full of it, mate. You're full of charisma. I'm just talking about me. I'm full of it. So, so yeah, that's mad. That's a nice little bit of history as well. Yeah, yeah. we're just dropping knowledge, son. <laughs> truth bombs, <laughs> truth bombs, and this festive Yule tad period. Anyway, um, okay, so that was Gremlins. Uh, let's pick another one. Bad Santa. Ah, oh, Bad Santa. Again, I watched brilliant. that last week as well. One of my favourite Christmas films. It's just it. brilliant. It's so macabre uh, and amazingly done. I'm sorry, any Christmas film that features the line, you're not going to shit right for a week. <laughs> if that was the tagline. Imagine if that was the tagline for Gremlins. <laughs> Gremlins, you ain't going to shit right for a week. <laughs> Oh, I remember that as a tagline. That would have been amazing. Fucking home Alone. <laughs> Kevin McAllister is about to find out what it's like to be Home Alone. Home Alone, coming soon. You won't shit right for a week. You're going to urinate blood. <laughs> <laughs> Things get real dark when we're on, lo- on air. <laughs> it's, it, it's the bodily trauma. And that's what does it. <laughs> well, um, there's an amazing Screen Junkies uh, episode which shows all the pratfalls of Home Alone and how many times he actually killed those um, those burglars. Yeah. It's genius. I saw that as well. Yeah, it's good. No, they wouldn't survive. <laughs> They're very, very dead, those gentlemen. Uh, very dead. Uh, so, uh, right, yeah. Bad Santa, you ain't gonna shit right for a week. <laughs> So any Christmas film that has a line like that, it, it, it's already got your attention, hasn't it? It is brilliant. I mean, it is. I love it. But the late John Ritter, what a great performance. Yeah. And uh, Bernie Mac as well. I love Bernie Mac. Oh, my God. He's so good. So you don't want Bernie... him to die in it either. No. Nah. 
the thing as well about Bernie Mac, he is one of those rare comedians. He could literally do nothing and I'd still be laughing or I'd be starting to laugh. He's got one of those faces where you're just expecting something hilarious to happen two seconds later. It's, it's, it's weird. It's like it's in the look or something or a slight inflection of the face or whatever. There's a very, very intelligent pace to the way he delivered comedy. Yeah. Yeah. Like perfectly paced. Two guys who went way too young. Oh yeah, and you know the great comic actors. Yeah, and one of the the sad things about Bernie Mac, if you ever seen, I think I don't know if it's his last film or not, but his last film, um, I think I might be completely wrong, and just so please forgive me, but it was Samuel Jackson. I want to say was it Soul Men or something like that, and it's about a couple of guys who used to be soul singers, and they were in like a a soul group in the sixties, and the main lead singer left him. So those guys' careers went down the pan and this guy just got like bigger and bigger, bigger, like Lionel Richie, basically. Oh, right. And um, it's a story about those two guys like reconciling and uh, trying to attend the funeral uh, of of this guy. And it's really good. It's, it's uh, funny. It's uh, really well done. And... I don't think Bernie Mac got the credit he was due. I think if he'd have done one or two more films, it sounds really stupid to say this, and I don't mean, again, to demean, because even though he was very, very famous in America, but yeah. I mean internationally now I'm talking about. He was on the brink of... Like being huge, really big internationally. Almost like on uh, like a, a Will Ferrell level. Yeah. He was known and respected in his own country, and people in other countries obviously may have been aware of him, but he hadn't quite got to that level of worldwide recognition. Yeah. And I think, yeah, I think you're right. He was just on the brink of it, and unfortunately, he died tragically early. Yeah, and I think, and I think, um, yeah, I think it was, it, it was really sad. And was it pneumonia? I think it was pneumonia or something, something like, like that. that. Yeah. I think it, yeah. And it's that's really sad. But the guy was fun. he steals the scene. There's a in Transformers, the first Transformers film. He's like, uh, Mammy, Mammy. And uh, she kind of like gives him this horrible this old woman gives him like the finger or something like that. And he goes, Ha 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 if I read a rock, I'd bash your damn head in. <laughs> it's sort of like, Jesus, that's dark. <laughs> but it's so well done. He's, it's like- Again, with Bernie Mac, I mean, you watch his character in the film. There's weird little nuances to the character. I don't know if he's added them in himself. But have you noticed all the way through him, he's doing little things like he's eating oranges a lot. Yeah, and still softener. And at one point, he he puts something (laughs) into his drink and it's still softener. So it's like, (laughs) this character's constipated. I was like, where the hell did that come from? Uh, Yeah, and and, (laughs) when he robs off that kid. And he goes, you're oh, robbing yeah. off me, I'm going to rob off you. Takes his MP3 player. Yeah. I'm like, Jesus <laughs> Christ. I like that. And when they're going, uh, 60, 40, half, half, half. And just it's so deadpan every time oh. I keep saying half. Like, just like, that's so great. It's just genius. And oh, one of my favourite moments in, in Bad Santa is when... It cuts. He he goes. Billy Bob Thornton just goes. I'm done. I'm done. This time next year, I, I won't be with you. I'm done. I'm gonna go and open my bar. I'm gonna do my plan like I've always said. And there's like this 
little embers of hope that keep getting pissed on by yeah. life. And it's so well done. And then he goes to his, his um you go you see him in a bar, it cuts to him in a bar, and he's making a drink and everything else. And you're like, he did it. Well done to him. I wonder what brings him back into the game then later on. Must must bad must happen. He's pass catches up with him or something like that. And then the real bartender just comes and goes, Hey, you asshole, how many times have I told you to keep away from my bar? And he just quickly <laughs> drinks the drink all in one and goes, Ah, fuck you. breaks me every time i was just doomed um it's so well done and it's so beautiful as well the friendship that happens yeah because you could easily write bad santa off as a film going it's full of crass humor it's disgusting he's pissing himself he's shitting himself he's shagging women he's been really lewd Rah, 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 rah. Yeah. There's actually quite a sweet message to it. There is an amazing message in that film. That's what makes it so good. Um, yeah, and I love, and I love it. I love it when he turns around uh, and he gets shot at the end. You're like, shit, he's not dead. And he goes, hey, kid. Well, even the judge thought trying to kill Santa on Christmas Eve was too fucked up as well. Or gunning down Santa. <laughs> like, Brilliant. Oh yeah, because it's in front of all those kids. And they just yeah, <laughs> just like doo, 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 they just gun him down. <laughs> but I love it because Willie's doing it to he's he wants to do one magnanimous thing one beautiful gesture to say look I'm not this piece of dog shit I'm, I am a person and I'm going to do something nice for this kid because his whole life is messed up Um, another perfect moment in that film which always breaks me uh, again uh, I've been broken a lot during this uh, episode uh, but there's a moment where he goes, "Is uh, you live with Granny, Granny Spry, is Granny Spry, and all that stuff." And the kids like, "Oh no, coming in!" We're first about to go into Herman's um, house, and he and he's wearing a ski mask. He's in the Santa outfit. He's wearing the ski mask, and he's got like the um, the blackjack ready to like just strike him down and knock him out. <laughs> Just opens it up, and it's so bizarre looking. And this kid's not paying any attention to it. One of my favourite scenes in that film is where he's casing the house out, and he literally doesn't give a shit because he's just walking around this house, opening the, the cupboards, eating the food, takes a massive shit in the toilet, blocks, it, and then just throws his bottle down it. He literally doesn't give a shit. I just love it. It's a it's a great it's a great film. Oh, really good. Bad Santa Two, not so much. No, no, that sadly was... that was yeah. that was lacking. It's not bad, bad, but um, it's definitely not. To the it, it was a big old letdown, wasn't it? It was. Yeah. It's like it, it, it happens quite a lot with, with comedy films. You, you, they're really successful. They end up doing a sequel, and it ends up being nothing anywhere close to the original. I mean, look at Zoolander. Perfect example. The what? Perfect example. Of Zoolander. Yeah, yeah. At least Anchorman uh, Two had some funny stuff in it. It did have some funny stuff in it, but again, it was a letdown, wasn't it? Yeah. I, I, I felt the same about Bad Santa. I saw Bad Santa 2 last year, and it's just, I kind of wish they'd hadn't bothered. Yeah. I <laughs> think some. that this, it had been too much time had passed as well. I think. The thing about Bad Santa is, I think, I think the film about any of those films I just mentioned is that they're all lightning in a bottle. Yeah. And you can't replicate that twice. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. Actually, I I think that they, they, they were they were all, they were products of their time. They were brilliantly captured, and that's how they should have stayed. But yeah, 
yeah, yeah, you then end up with inferior sequels that kind of muddy the films a little bit, which is unfortunate. But well, let's lead on to Home Alone because you mentioned Home Alone. So yeah, go for it. Go on, tell me about Jigsaw or Mini Jigsaw Junior. <laughs> oh, Home Alone! It's like when you want your wholesome Christmas film to come with dollops of torture and human suffering. <laughs> Amazing, isn't it? You just watch me, just think. Over the course, I I only count Home Alone as two films. I don't even think about three or four within that series. As far as I'm concerned, Home Alone is two films. There was a fourth Home Alone. Yeah, the fourth one was like a TV movie, apparently. Jesus Christ! Why are these people not locked up for like child (laughs) endangerment? (laughs) Well, uh, no, I, I do. I only think of them as two films. Uh, I think it's it's it, it surrounds Kevin McCallister, doesn't it? Mm. How messed up is this kid by the end of Home Alone too? I mean, tw- <laughs> twice his parents have abandoned him on Christmas, and um, he he starts lashing out, doesn't he? He starts torturing people. <laughs> <laughs> have you ever seen the Macaulay Culkin <laughs> so short he did? Scarred. Yes, I did. <laughs> that was brilliant. <laughs> I believe Kevin McCaster is a very fucked up young man. <laughs> well, if you look at Macaulay Culkin's life, you know, he did go to some yeah. dark places. Oh, yeah. Heroin, you know, drug abuse, yeah. that kind of stuff. Got to bang Mila Kunis, though, so, you know, well. not all bad. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. and the, 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 there is actually an online fan theory going around at the moment that um, Kevin McCaster actually became Jigsaw. And, you know, you you look at what he does in the two Home Alone films and, yeah, I could see that. (laughs) Bloody hell. (laughs) But, uh, again, Home Alone's great. It's it's, it's another one of those films that um, it gets the balance perfect. And I think that's in no small part down to who it was written by. It's John Hughes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Definitely. You know, the, the guy was an outstanding writer and, um, yeah, it, it skirts the line of being sort of um, quite broad humour, but also um, quite clever humour at the same time. Yeah, they, um, they did well it, with that. It's violent, but the violence is very slapstick, very comic book. Um so um, it makes it more palatable, doesn't it? But you know, you still watch it now, and you'll still laugh your head off at it because it's just great. It's it's just brilliantly written, and a lovely Bro- cameo by John Candy. Oh yeah, no, yeah. There's uh, what's his name again? I can't remember. I can't remember. The polka guy. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking polka guy. Yeah, yeah, that's him. Polka guy. Polka guy. Uh, yeah, that's a good film. That is, you know, I remember seeing that at the cinema. Yeah, yeah, I, I saw I saw both of them at the cinema. Yeah, I remember it vividly. Good but God. yeah, no, it's, it, it's great. I mean, it, it, it's, it's one of those films, it's an ensemble film, isn't it? I mean, it, it's the sum of its parts. You I mean, you look at that cast alongside writing from John Hughes, direction from Chris Columbus, Again, it's, um, it's, as I said in the last time, it's lightning in a bottle. The one time it does actually work twice, because I'll actually go online and say, and I actually think Home Alone 2 is a stronger film. Ooh. 
it's 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 one of those it's one of those sequels I actually think is better than the first film. Okay. Very close. I very close. Macaulay Culkin's acting is definitely better in the second one. It is, yeah. He 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 he's more in a groove, I think, by the time he does the second one. But um no, if you, you watch the two side by side, I actually I actually think Home Alone Two is the stronger film. Well it does have Tim Curry in. It does. Any film with Tim Curry is immediately so, improved anyway. So. Yeah, so that's <laughs> an instant thumbs up. Hmm. It's Tim Curry versus John Candy. Pleasure or birds? No! <laughs> yeah, yeah. Home Alone, again, it's, 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 it's a great Christmas film because, you know, you got the wholesome, warm fuzzies one side and you got the slapstick violence on the other it's 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 a perfect uh it's a perfect combination they just get it spot on so what's yeah. on what's on next christmas film on this whistle stop tour i'll go with them i'll actually go with the recent one Ooh. i will go with uh krampus 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 I've not seen that. You've not seen it? No. Really good. I Well, I personally think it's really good. Um, it came out, I'd like to say, two years ago. I think it was two years ago. Wait a minute, I'm double-checking. It was. It was 2015 it came out. Um, yeah, fantasy horror film. Um, it, it, it isn't directed by him, but it feels very much like... Um, Look at Richard Donner film. It's got that feel to it. It feels a bit like um, it's, it's kind of got like a it, it, it's got like a Gremlins feel to it. Really? Yeah, it has. Um, it, it, it feels like it could have been one of those films that was released in a different era. It was released like in the mid eighties, but it's not. It's like it's two thousand fifteen. But um, it basically takes the idea of um, the. Um, is it German? Yes, it's a German folklore of the Krampus, who is supposed to be um, Santa Claus's dark shadow, his, his alter, his other, who, who instead of um, rewarding the good little girls and boys, punishes the naughty ones. That, that um, sounds actually pretty dark. <laughs> yeah, and then you, you translate that into a comedy horror and um, you got Krampus, and it's great. It's really, really good. Uh, again, really well written. Uh, great cast. Um, Adam Scott, Tony Collette. Um, oh, God, what's his name? Tony Collette's in it. Tony Collette's in it, yeah. Um, oh. David Cochineau, who's in um, Anchorman. He played Champion in, in Anchorman. He's in it. Jesus. It, it's, it's, it's got a really good, really good cast. Um, yeah, it's... it's, it's it is a film it kind of feels out of time it feels like it could have been like one of those nostalgia flicks you remember from your childhood in the 1980s it's got that similar sort of vein to it and um yeah if you haven't seen it mate watch it now watch it this christmas it's really good yeah okay i think I'll, i will give that a whirl i'll give that yeah I, 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 I think it's it's up your alley i think you'd like Krampus. that, that should yeah, be the tagline yeah. it's up your alley Krampus. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I'd go Krampus. I, I enjoy that. I mean, that, that's I, I saw it when it was released uh, in the cinema two years ago, and since then I've been watching it 
on my annual Christmas list. Mm. Yeah, I really like it. Okay, I will okay. give that a go then. I'll put that on my because from tomorrow I have two and a half weeks off. Ah, there you there'll, go. There'll be lots okay. of things I'm watching. I've booked myself a Thai massage. That's right, uh-huh. a Thai <laughs> massage. It's on um, uh, on Monday, so I'm looking forward to that because my neck is so friggin' stiff. Uh, so I can't wait for that. And then, of course, we've got a, a really big humdinger of a film. Uh, we're both watching on Saturday, I believe. Oh, yes. Or are you watching it Friday? I'm watching it Saturday, mate. I'm watching it Saturday morning. Oh, I'm watching it Saturday evening. Oh, so... I'm going to see it before you. You go to hell. You go to hell and I'm gonna die. Tell you, I'm going to tell you exactly what happens. I will end you. I will end you. Because that, I think, ends our whistle-stop tour of uh, Christmas films, unless you yeah. can think of one any more uh, just off the top of your head. Or I, I think we've, considering we were only spending a short amount of time on it, I think we've, we've done quite a, a good job mentioning some decent Christmas films. There. I think so, and I, I'm sure next Christmas episode will be a bit more elaborate, but, you know, we did this on the fly. We wanted to do this yeah. as a little extra for people as a bonus extra yeah what um, christmas bonus for you there you go uh because uh after our next episode you won't hear from us until january dun, dun, dun. which really isn't that long away yeah you think it's about it probably a week week longer than it usually would be <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> so we're giving you this little nut this nugget <laughs> uh plopped into existence <laughs> Of course, there is a major, major, major film coming out uh, uh, this weekend. And, uh, in fact, it's already out now. And, it is out now. And uh, we'll be watching it on Saturday. The pod, next pod, will be all about it. Of course, I can only be talking about Star Wars Episode Eight, The Last Jedi. Oh! So we thought, actually, wouldn't this be a great way to chuck some theories in? Now, um, before we do our theories... We're going to talk about something that's happened on national UK TV, which, thank yeah. God, Mid texted me and went, dude, you've got to just keep the bloody hell away from everything. So I've gone media blackout. I've kept off um, Facebook, uh, which is really strange for me. I've kept off Facebook uh, and I've been keeping off um, Internet sites in general, because just on the off chance that it turns up like, you know, with Marvel news, because I know that Marvel have been, not Marvel, sorry, uh, 20th Century Fox have been bought by Disney yeah. at the time of this, so it looks like that's going through. And they've made a deal, it has to go through US Congress to make sure that it's all kosher and everything else, and if it is, they get to do it, but I can't see why they won't let them, um, which is great, because it means we'll have the X-Men with the Marvel Universe characters, where they should have been for a long time, and maybe they'll be done um, properly. Whoop! Yep. Controversial. Uh, so, like, uh, the only the only person who gets an exempt uh, is Patrick Stewart and uh, Leave Shriver as Sabretooth, and of course Hugh Jackman as Wolverine. Um, but the rest of them can go to hell. Uh, so, like, oh, and of course Ryan Reynolds as Deadpool. Oh uh, God, yeah. Uh, goes without saying. Um, so anyway, uh, that's been going on, but. Generally, the websites that talk about that will go Star Wars Episode Eight, and they'll probably ruin stuff. So I've been keeping away from all these things. Now I get a text message yesterday morning. Was it mid? It was yeah, because because I got the the message from my wife. Oh, who, what who, happened, uh, who, mid? What happened? 
Uh, well, um, my wife's off on maternity leave at the moment, um, and uh, um, so she's she's at home a lot, looking after our daughter. And uh, early morning, obviously pl- playing with Amelia. This morning's on in the background, and there's a, an interview with John Boyega, a live interview, uh, obviously about the release of the Last Jedi. And um, Holly Willoughby, the presenter of this morning. Um, basically drops a colossal spoiler for the film. I'm I'm talking apparently. I don't know what the spoiler is. My wife knows what it is. She oh. told me what had happened and said definitely do not go online anymore. Um, yeah, she 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 just dropped this massive spoiler live on air, and uh, John Boyega's kind of his reaction gives away the fact that this is genuine apparently i've seen a picture of the screen grab that your wife put on facebook because my wife saw it and went look and i went it doesn't give any spoilers because no just look that's his reaction yeah and i looked at it went jesus and his face he's horrified yeah the fact of the matter is when that happens there's no way you can get around it your 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 de facto reaction is going to be oh shit and that's going to be in your face, no matter if you've even gone and just said, oh, shit. I think it's going to be written on your face because you can't hide something like that. Something that you're involved in as, you know, you're a custodian of keeping these secrets. It's deeply unfair as well. Yeah. It, it, I, it, was, it was a really dumb thing for her to have done. Um, I don't know if at the time she really understood the gravity of what she had done. Apparently, she she's she's become very aware of the gravity of what she's done. Um, Has she said anything recently about it? Cause I don't, I don't know. Well, like I said, mate, I've, I've been, I've been, I've been, you dare look to see about the story <laughs> just in case they mention the spoiler. I've I, I just heard every word of mouth that she's been made very aware of. She's probably had a new arsehole ripped. <laughs> oh God. Yeah. I mean, the, 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 quite right too. I'm sorry. Who I, she's dealing with here. This is Walt Disney. She'd be very lucky if she doesn't, get sued <laughs> this is this is what i mean yeah and like the, the um i'm gonna get a little bit serious now the one thing that really really pisses me off um, spoilers. spoilers yeah if i choose to spoil something for myself not a problem i want to have the decision though and i think that's what pisses me off people should have the choice they should say. be forewarned i yeah. mean uh, i mean I, i'm completely aware of the fact we we do cover things on this podcast that people might not have seen but we do warn people before that exactly before last jedi there will be a colossal warning both on here on social media everywhere we can think of saying if you have not seen this film do not listen to this podcast and there is no way in hell we're going to put any hints about what happened into the film in the um show notes or of that podcast or online we'll just say here's our review we're not gonna win and and it's full of spoilers so don't listen if you haven't seen it it it, 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 believe me everywhere it will be stamped down there are spoilers in here yeah if you haven't seen the film it's not do not listen it's it's not fair on people who want to watch it It and it's not like look the only reason i didn't go to the midnight show in last night was because i have a um a long-standing well i say long-standing it's now a tradition with my brother, who is a huge Star Wars fan as well, 
and my love of Star Wars was just amplified growing up with my older brother discussing Star Wars all the time and things like that. So we used to play Star Wars all the time. I inherited a bunch of these bloody Star Wars figures as he uh, kind of grew up and you know moved on like we all do as kids. And I go with him and one of his best friends and a, a, a close family friend, his mate Foxy, who's a lovely, lovely bloke. And we go and watch the... We've decided we're going to go watch the the one the episode Star Wars uh, films. So we didn't watch Rogue One together, but we watched um, we watched uh, obviously Force Awakens, and we loved it. And I sat there and I saw all three of us with tears in our eyes when a certain thing happened. And obviously, it goes without saying, massive spoiler in three, two, one. When Han got killed um, yeah. in Force Awakens, and like it's just one of those things. We're really looking forward to it, so we're going to watch it on Saturday evening. So I can't wait. I've got mates who've seen it, and all they've done is simply sent a text going, we're not going to ruin it because they know how much I love Star Wars, and they wouldn't do that because that would be a dick thing for them to do. And they've just gone, it was really good. Yeah. yeah. And that's all they've said. They've gone, it's really good. Rotten Tomatoes oh. is gushing over it at the moment. I know that. Yeah. Um, yeah, I've heard some bold, bold statements coming out of reviews. I mean, I've heard reviews saying it is the strongest Star Wars film since The Empire Strikes Back. Jesus, that's that's a bold statement, mind you. They said that they say that every time a new one comes out now, so I take that with a massive grain of salt. Well, the thing is, though, last time I heard that said was for The Force Awakens, and up to that point, I'd kind of agree with that. Uh, I heard it said about Rogue One, though, as well. You see, Rogue One, I, I, I wouldn't. It's not lamped in with the episodic ones, though, is it? I mean, no. I, I, you, you could, you could say it about Rogue One. I, I wouldn't necessarily agree with that. I think Rogue One is a deeply average film until about halfway through, and, and then, it gets then it gets fucking brilliant. <laughs> and then I'm like, that's amazing. Um, so but, that... but, no, but when it was said about the Force Awakens, I actually agreed with that. I I, I I I did think it was. I mean, um, I, I don't I don't rate the prequels at all. To be perfectly mm, honest, no. I I conf- uh, like I've said in the Doc Two pod, I convinced myself I liked them because it was Star Wars. There are moments, there are elements in those though um, that are good, like you, McGregor, like the Anakin uh, and Obi Wan fight uh, in the last film. That was brilliantly done. Yeah, you know there are moments that are fantastic, and then they they just get bogged down with a lot of crap and nonsense. I, th- I think the the main problem with the Star Wars prequels is people open their mouths. <laughs> <laughs> it, 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 it's the writing. It's embarrassing, and the fact it's they all look like they're in um, cutscenes for Wing Commander. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> sort of like there's nothing there. They're just like, right, yeah. Ewan, just imagine there's a, a three headed fucking yeah. dinosaur in front of you. What? It's the advent of like really over the top use of green screen. All these yeah. people that haven't worked in these environments before, so it looks really fucking unnatural. You know, yeah. the, the, they've been told to imagine these things and they haven't been in this situation before. And it, I actually do think it does show on the screen. Oh, big time. Big time. The awkwardness of the performances. Um, yeah, and I think I think that's why they made the right choice with this, this new trilogy to take a step back and go, okay, there will still be digital elements, but we are going to do as much of this on camera as we can. And I think that was a very right very wise choice. Yeah, 
Because it, it, it grounds it. It gives people something to react to when they're actually on screen doing their job. Not having to like just make it up on the spot because someone's walking around with a fucking tennis ball on the stick telling you it's a raster frog or whatever. Fucking hell. <laughs> you know. That's another great name for a band, by the way. Raster frog. Um, <laughs> like, just cranking them out tonight, mid. You're cranking them out. <laughs> um, yeah. I just, I, I do think, I, I think people should always get the choice whether someone gets spoiled for them or not. And I, I really don't think, right, Holly Willoughby obviously is, it's a, a massive mistake on her part and she's obviously gone, shit, what have I done? There needs to be, there needs to be a very, because this is happening more and more with news reporters and stuff. Yeah. Uh, recently with Thor Ragnarok, there was a moment Oh, Where, in Australia, wasn't it? In yeah. Australia, and the guy, one of the show uh, interviewers, just flat out says in front of uh, the the cast this massive spoiler, and the cast are like, "What are you doing?" Like, I think Mark Ruffalo actually turns around, and goes, "Oh, come on, man!" Like it gets, and like you can see, they're both actually pissed off. They're like, the fact that is. With Star Wars and with the Marvel films, these are films that the people who work on them have become very, very invested in. They care just as much as the fans do. And they're also legally obligated with non-disclosure agreements. Mm. Like, uh, they get they get told, you will say bugger all about this film. Yeah. Um, that will lead to anybody finding out anything. Otherwise, you will get sued or this and that and the other. So they have been keeping on to these secrets for two, sometimes even three years. Yeah. And then some moron just spouts it out. The worst thing was the film hadn't actually been released. At the point of yesterday's recording, it was only released at midnight. It, it, it was ridiculous. It was like, what, 12, 12, 13, 14 hours from release? Everyone had played ball up to this point, And that close to release, someone drops a major spoiler. And I feel really badly because John Boyega is obviously, you quite rightly said, he's going to be stuck with this shitstorm. He's like, what the hell do I do? Yeah. Because, well, like, but that's it. That, that's going to always hang around his neck now, isn't it? I was involved in that interview when that happened. Yeah. And it's not fair. It really isn't fair. And I know I'm sounding like a whiny fanboy, and I am, and I don't care. It just. You shouldn't do that because there are people that are emotionally invested in these characters in these films. If you're turning around and you're telling people what happens in it, you're an idiot. And I know you can make mistakes, but I think there should be some sort of recompense uh, that happens to Holly Willoughby. I personally believe that she should have something, not like she needs to be publicly flogged or anything stupid like that. Shame. Yeah, shame. <laughs> now, what they should do, I personally think that they should turn around, because the only way she'd have seen it would have been invited to the press tour. Lifelong ban from Disney press tours, which, let's yeah. be fair, right now will be so many different films. <laughs> It'll be all the Marvel films as all well. All the Marvel, all the things. So if a kid's go, oh, great, we could have gone to see Frozen 2. Not happening. Why? Because mummy blurted out a secret. She can wait until it's released and pay for it like everyone else. And that's how it should be. Because I think that would be... Because, right, it's not going to cost... Let's be realistic. It won't cost Disney any money. But the argument is you have ruined it, the enjoyment of that film for a lot of people because they'll be expecting it. 
and they'll be waiting for these things to happen and that's not fair uh, I know people make mistakes and people go yeah it's only a film but come on people get excited about stuff like they need these things to break up with the monotony of their lives or they do these things to escape pain trust me folks I know that all too well they do that so if you're ruining that moment for people it's not fair it's not it's not nice so it'll be interesting to see what happens I can guarantee you she's had a major bollocking from the show's producers. Um, There's a real... There's a real um, sick sense of wanting to know just what it was that she blurted out. I'll find out. As soon as I've seen that film, I'm going to look at it. Yeah, I'm going to look it up online and find out what it was. I mean, I I take it when we watch the film, it's probably going to be quite obvious what it was, I'd imagine. Well, do me a favour, right? When you see the film on Saturday, get your wife to say, to say, sorry, because I don't want to mention a name unless you don't want me to. And everything, yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> it's, you know, lovely, lovely person that she is. Um, get, get her to tell you what it was and look in line with how it was said and everything else. And text me, because I'm curious, text me how big a spoiler it was. Just say, fuck, dude, it was huge. Like, yeah. Or like, mm, actually, it's not. It's it is a spoiler, but it's not as bad mm. as as people think you're making out. I don't know. I'm, I'm getting. It sounds it, but... like it's a big, big thing. Yeah. It it doesn't sound like it's a small thing. Like you know, oh, this character is this. It sounds like it's like a major, like the end of the film almost. Yeah. I've got that vibe. Speaking of which, right? This is theoretically at this point. This is theoretically potential spoilers, even though I haven't read up on the film deliberately for that. Haven't read up on the film. And, uh, you know, I know very, very, very little uh, deliberately. I don't know how much you know, Mr. Mid. Uh, next to nothing, to be honest Excellent. with you. I've, I've been trying to avoid stuff. I mean, I've, I've obviously watched the trailers and stuff. Oh, yeah, same here. But, I mean, nothing, um, nothing crazy. I mean, I can't piece I mean, it. Yeah. yeah where, where they're going with it and everything. But, I, um, I can't piece out exactly how it's going to end and everything else. So, you know, it's not nothing crazy. But yeah. let's have our fan theory. And when we see it and we do the pod this Sunday, when we record it to get ready to be released on Wednesday next week... Um, we can see if we were right or not. Yeah. That'd be kind of fun. Yeah, yeah. And nerdy. So, um, right, guys. These are our, our theories. Mr. Mid, what theory do you have? Is gonna, What do you think is going to happen? Right. Um, I, I, I think, you know, it's all been set out pretty well from the end of... Um, the force awakens where it's quite deliberate that they have left a number of things up in the air with respect to questions being answered. Mm-hmm. I don't think necessarily by the end of last Jedi, many of those questions will be answered. You reckon? I, I think a lot of it will be left open-ended. I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if a number of those questions end up being complete red herrings as in it turns out being something completely other. What, you know, people come up with these massive theories for the last couple of years about where they think things are going, like um, like what why Luke's been hiding for however many years, the the nature of Ray's parentage, or um, the fact that she might be um, born of the Force, like uh, like Anakin was. I can't help thinking some of that 
will lead somewhere and it will be answered because they have to answer some questions. But I think some of it will also be left open. So, um, so what do you think? What do you think is going to happen in this film then? I think Ray is going to be taught by Luke. But I think it's going to be a thing like he's not automatically going to do it because I'm getting the impression he's gone to the other side of the galaxy to hide on this on this island planet for some really awful reason. I, I take it he doesn't really want to have anything to do with the Force anymore. Because mm. he, he, he's, you know, the, the way he looks at that lightsaber, it, it's not like a... I'm glad to see this thing in front of me. <laughs> he, he, he looks kind of haunted when he sees it. I'm getting the impression the last thing he wants is some stranger turning up at this place and bringing his past to him. Because I get the impression we're going to get some kind of backstory as to why Luke is on this planet. Um, what brought him there? What, what happened in his past between him and... Uh, ben, so, um, Ben Solo. Because I, I think I, I think that's the connection. I, I think something happened between him and Ben Solo, um, Kylo Ren, obviously. I think we're going to see the whole sequence of what happened. You know, when you get some of the flashback in the first film. In, in, well, that's just it. So yeah. Part of it had already been filmed. I think they go back in, they refilm it, and they flesh it out. And uh, I reckon we'll get drip fed more of that. I don't think we'll get all of that mm. myself. But I think we will get some answers and some stuff will be left up in the air. Um, but I, I do think ultimately, yes, Ray is going to end up being Luke's apprentice. I do think that's going to happen. Right. Um, with respect to the New Order side of things, are, are you what, what 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 vibe are you getting from Snoke? Do you know what? Right, a lot of these Star Wars names, <clears throat> if you w read them, they're all related to the story, aren't they? Yeah. Somehow, you know, they're all like basically a new hope is obviously a new hope for the galaxy. Revenge of the yeah. Sith, the Sith comes back, finally reveals themselves, attack the clones. That's where the yeah. clones come out, you know, Phantom Menace. It's this, even as stupid as the name sounds, it's about the fact that there is something going on behind the scenes that's a menace that we're not too sure who's manipulating things yeah um return the jedi obvious empire strikes back so after the empire got their asses handed to him in new hope they come back with a vengeance and give the rebels a bloody good spanking and then return the jedi is the jedi coming back look they're here um Force the, the title is definitely reflectant of the film then exactly i think so with the but, last jedi who? no i think the last jedi is luke mm. I genuinely think The Last Jedi is Luke, right? Um, I think if you're talking about the last of something, my theory is, if you're talking about the last of something, I think they're going to hint about the first of something. I think Snoke may be the first Jedi. Really? That's my theory. I think he's the first Jedi, or something along those lines, and he's turned evil. And... Oh. I'm in two minds of, of Snoke myself. Yeah? Part of me thinks, yeah, there is going to be some greater... greater uh, story to the character. But 
another part of me, I don't know what it is, another part of me is screaming Red Herring. You reckon? I think it's misdirection. Really? I think it's I, I think it's a really brave gambit at misdirection. I don't think Snoke's really going to be important to the story. Wow. Okay. But I be I that that I could end up looking like a complete asshole. <laughs> no, because that, that would be, that'd be, be fucking clever. He could be the most important part of the story. We don't know, but I don't know what it is. Something as me thinking that's misdirection. It, they're trying to make you focus on this mysterious character when actually they're just trying to go. Actually, the really important parts over here. I think that's the feeling I'm getting. Okay, right. My theory is I think Snoke, right? I think he's he's basically because he's the dark side, right? I think Luke is working on something. I think he's broken, but I think he has theories about how to fix things. I think he uh, it, it was hinted at in the other films. I think yeah. that true balance isn't the light side or the dark side, it's grey. Right. And I think Luke is going to become a grey Jedi. Okay. And I think he's going to be a mixture between light and dark because he realises that's not the true balance comes from that. Yeah. Or he's going to train Rey to be a grey Jedi. Yeah. Rather than a light Jedi. That's what, I don't know, something like that. Maybe you, you that. think from his past experience, he's come to realise both extremes don't work. Well, we've seen that in the films, if you think about yeah. it. The Emperor, uh, yeah, both extremes. From his yeah. own personal experience, he has realised both extremes just lead to bad places. Yeah, and it destroys the galaxy. Yeah. Which is probably why he's like, I don't want anything to do with the Force. I think it might be him coming to the realisation that, that the Force is important, but it needs to be proper balances to be a mixture of both. See, uh, I, I'd go with that because I think that kind of explains why he's on this place at the arse end of the galaxy. He literally doesn't want to use the force anymore. Mm. He, he, it's almost like, um, it's almost like sensory deprivation. He's putting him in places far away from people so he can just shut off that part of himself. What do you think? What do you think about Ray? Do you reckon because there's hints that she's going to be bad? I think that's bollocks. I think she's going to still be good. I I, I don't think you would bring in a character like Ray. Um, give her so much nuance and backstory, and then come just turn around and go, ah, "No, she's the bad guy. She's always been the bad guy." No, I don't buy that either. Um, I don't buy that at all. What about Kylo? But, but that's just it then. I don't actually believe Kylo Ren is completely evil because we look at Vader and, you know, there are parts of the two characters that mirror each other. And um, there's more conflict, isn't there, in Kylo? Yeah. But again, I think there was some misdirection at the end of the last film with what Kylo does. Ah, yes. I can't help but think it's for another reason. Well, we've already said spoilers, so you can mention it. It's fine. Um, when he when he kills his father, I I I don't think it's as cut and dry as as it seems. I've heard that theory as well that Han was the one that does it. Yeah, you don't see who ignites the saber. 
and he does you, it deliberately. You hear the sound and see it come out the other side of him, don't you? So, so he doesn't fully lose himself. Yeah. Otherwise, he's going to get I, killed. But because it's, it's even there in the dialogue, isn't it? Mm. Um, I, 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 a part of me actually thinks Han did it. He sacrificed himself to save his son. I'm taking that decision away from you, so you don't fall completely to the dark side. Mm. Um, so yeah, I'm not completely convinced that Kylo Ren is um, completely lost. Uh, I, I think there's going to be some definite depth added to that character in this film. So what do you what do you think he's going to? Do you reckon he's going to come back by the end of the film? Do you reckon he's going to go back to Luke? I don't know. I think it's going to be left up in the air. I reckon he's going to run off with. Um, he's going to run off by himself. I I I don't know. I don't know. It's it, it, he's a difficult one. Okay. Uh, it's going to go. I think, I think it's going to go one of two ways, isn't it? Yeah. He he he, he will actually turn and see the light, or he will go full dark side. What? But I think that I think there'll be a moment where he has to make that choice. What about, okay, what about, um, we've done Ray, okay, what about Han's death? Do you reckon that's they're going to do a funeral or what, or what do you reckon is going to happen? I, I actually think that's done and dusted, mate. I, I, I think it might be on. mentioned. I think it might be mentioned. Um, I'd be kind of let down if there isn't some, you can't mention it, it from, from, um, from Leia. I'd be gutted if Luke and Leia don't acknowledge the fact that Han is dead. Um, I, I, I think they will. I think they will. They've got it, to. The, the, they definitely got to do something with Luke because he never got to reunite with a big part of his past. Yeah. You know, he, he from Return of the Jedi in, in this run of the story, which is apparently canon now, um, he disappears after Return of the Jedi, so he hasn't seen any of these people in 30-plus years, and he never got the chance to see Han Solo again, and I think they'd be very remiss not to touch upon that. I'm, I'm very much hoping for a scene where that's addressed. It'd be interesting. Um, do you, What do you think? Now, this, this is the big, big question. What do you think they're going to do with Leia? <sighs> again... I don't know if they're going to kill her. It would be very on the nose. It would be too on the nose, I think. I don't think she's going to die. What are they going to do? What do you reckon? So, apparently... I, 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 I think they're probably going to have given themselves the breathing room to write that. Yeah. I don't, it's, I don't think it's going to be addressed in this film. Apparently, but they're going to have to write it into the next one. When, they, when she died, apparently, like, her, her brother... Uh, Carrie Fisher's brother said, "Oh yeah, no, they're going to bring her back with CGI or something in the next film." So, you know, mm, and then I can't see that. And then Disney went, "Nope, that's not happening." So it's like, well, what the hell? Because and they've already said, "Oh, not going to kill." Like you know, they've it. There was a rumor they were saying they're not going to kill her off. Then there's a rumor saying she'll be written out. How? How do you write somebody like major character like Leia without? addressing the fact that she's not coming back. That's just it. I don't know how. I, I literally, I, I have thought I have about no this idea. quite a lot. I've thought about this quite a lot in the last few months, and I cannot think how they'll do it. But also, I don't think they're going to do it in this film. 
you reckon it'll be the next film? I think it's too on the nose. I think it's way too on the nose, and it's mm. way too soon. I think it'd feel a little bit disrespectful. disrespectful yeah, to do it this film. Definitely. I, 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 I think the way that Disney handle their um, their franchises now, they're very respectful of their fans. Yeah, particularly with Star Wars and with Marvel. They've been very, very respectful of the fans' wishes. And I think um, with respect to um, the death of Carrie Fisher, it would be far too on the nose to address that in this film. Yeah, I agree. I definitely agree with that. So I I personally don't think she's going to die. Hmm. Okay. What? I don't know where they're going to go with that, but I just, I I don't think. What? I I think it would be far too on the nose to do it this film. What do you think they're going to do with um, Finn? See, I'm a, I'm a little concerned about Finn, and I'm a little concerned about Poe, that their two characters are going to end up being sidelined. You reckon? There's a, there's a lot going on. And I don't know. I'm just hoping the writing is you know balanced enough to give them enough of the story as well. I mean, they're obviously covering, I think, going to be the resistance side of things, isn't it? Yeah. So obviously Ray's completely focused on this Force story. So I think Finn is going to be very much on, on the resistant fight, fighting in the resistance side of things. And I think he's going to get his showdown with Captain Fatsman. Well, it looks that's like that building. in the trailer, doesn't it? That's been building up. I mean, there's, there's going to be a Duke. Mm. Well, there's, hopefully there's, they won't get rid of it the throw. way they did before. I, I, I think there's going to be a really cool throwdown. That would be cool. Yeah, uh, I, I, I'm actually hoping for like, you know, you know, like her fight with um, the hand in Game of Thrones. Yeah, I'm hoping for something on that level, not quite as violent, obviously, because this is geared towards kids as well. Mm-hmm. But I'm hoping for something on that level of epic. Oh man, that would be the balls. Because it? Finn deserves his nemesis as well, and I think yeah. Phasma is going to be his nemesis. Yeah, it's built that way from the from the writing from Force yeah, Awakens, yeah. isn't it? So I, I, I'm I'm going to feel very let down if there isn't a proper duke up with Captain Phasma. Hmm. So there are theories then. Yeah, there are theories, and we'll find out which ones were right and which were completely wrong um, when we see the film on. Saturday. I I reckon mine are completely off, off the mark. I think some of my theories are a little bit too out there. <laughs> I think I think I'm yeah. I think some of my theories are a little too um, fan fan fiction. Yeah. Um, but you never know. I don't know. I think mine sound a little like, oh, wouldn't it be great as a fan if we did this and then that would happen and then this. <laughs> so. Um, well, we'll be reviewing these uh, these predictions before we record the next pardon yes but we'll tally them up we'll see how we did yeah that'd be fun (laughs) and deeply deeply soul destroying (laughs) (laughs) oh we were so off the fucking mark oh man (laughs) (laughs) i think that was this that uh wraps up this special this yuletide special um next time or within a few days of this pod once this one's landed um we will be back with obviously uh the last jedi and we will talk about our con experiences i think because then yeah. 
that would be a quite nice way of uh, discussing it because uh, obviously um, we have a lot to talk about regarding the cons. So I don't know if we'll go straight into it or we'll talk about the cons first. We don't know. We'll touch on them. Well, well yeah, well, uh, I think we've got some pretty cool stories from yeah. both our con experiences. It'd Hell be yeah. good to get them into the pods. Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. You've got. I really want. I'm really interested uh, in hearing some of the regarding uh, the the one particular wrestler you met. Big. Time. Oh yes. <laughs> and uh, I'm sure you will want to know a bit more about the Shatner. Oh god. <laughs> <laughs> so, and I think it'd be quite funny to put that on a Star Wars pod as well. So, yeah. <laughs> um, join us in a couple of uh, days' time when we'll be discussing. Uh, the wonderful, uh, hopefully, please be good, please be good, please be good, um, <laughs> The Last Jedi film. And we'll also find out whether or not um, the Holly Willoughby thing, we can go into that a bit more. Oh, find God, out yeah. What she actually spoiled. I, I'm going to be really interested to find out just what that spoiler was. Big, big warning, though, and we'll say it when we do that pod. That will be full of... So we will destroy and rip into that film and discuss it. So We're going to be covering everything. So, yeah, just be forewarned now, regular listeners, if you care, watch the film first. <laughs> yeah, don't listen to the pod until we have... Um, we have... Uh, well... Well, not we, but you have seen the film. So yeah. we'll discuss it next time. So until then, this is Mr. Mid saying... Bye-bye. And this is Mr. Chris saying, Eat more cheese. It's a good source of calcium, and it keeps you regular. There's no science behind that, but, you know, I think it's true. Have it.